0: Good morning and welcome to episode 682 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I am Ben Lindberg of Grantland. You are Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hello.
1: Hello.
0: So I'm in Sonoma now and I've already experienced my first earthquake. <laughs> this is, it's a what? little, it's a little on the nose. It's like if you had some character in something come to California and you wanted to established that he is in California, you would have an earthquake right after he gets off the plane, and that is basically what happened to me.
1: I haven't even heard of it.
0: Well, it wasn't a big one. Probably wasn't wasn't felt where you were. It was like a it was like a four point something.
1: I've probably felt I don't know five earthquakes in the last fifteen years. It's uh, and none of them has been remotely scary. It's been uh, you know I I was in the nineteen eighty nine one and. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was big. It was scary. It was changed, changed everything. But after that, I had a, I, I expected a lot more earthquakes. I, I thought that a corner had been turned, earthquake-wise.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I would, I remember, I would, you know, there's this, there's this sort of, if you, if you have the earthquake phobia, as some people do, mainly non-Californians do, then it's a kind of a constant tension in your life, thinking, oh, at any moment an earthquake. And so I would to get to get it control of this. I would when I would be lying in bed where there was nothing that could fall on me, I would just sit there and and ponder an earthquake happening right then. And it felt, it felt so relaxing because I was half asleep. I was in a warm bed and I knew that like the whole earth could shake, the whole earth could shake and nothing could, could hurt me from it. And I felt in control of the earth at that moment. There's a roof,
0: a roof could fall on you.
1: I guess that's a
0: remote possibility.
1: A very, very remote. I mean, you're you're not really worried about roofs. B. If an earthquake hit, I would obviously I would put a pillow over my head, and you know, a roof probably. If a roof fell on me, if a normal household roof fell on you, uh, as long as it didn't hit you in the head, I mean, a roof isn't that heavy, is it?
0: <laughs> um, I think you'd I, be okay. I don't know. It depends on the roof, but that's anyway, the, that's I, the standard earthquake procedure. That's what they tell you to do: put a pillow over your head.
1: I felt like I had uh, I had I had conquered the earth that I was bigger than it shaking. And so then, anyway, so that became a very relaxing and a very soothing thing to think about, to lay in bed and just think about, oh, maybe an earthquake will happen in the next 10 seconds and I'll be fine. And I would just think about that until I fell asleep. And and because of that, I do feel ripped off over the lack of earthquakes. It does bother me that there hasn't been an earthquake while I've been lying in bed, to my knowledge, since then. Like, never. Like, sometimes there are earthquakes, but I'm at a desk or I'm you know walking or whatever and i'm i keep waiting for that bed earthquake to come and it it doesn't happen it's frustrating well it actually
0: did happen to me i was in bed at the time i was cool. just lying there i wasn't sleeping going to sleep but i was lying on a bed for a moment all right yeah so uh, we're going to have Dan Rosenson from Baseball Prospectus on in a few minutes to talk about Bryce Harper. He wrote an article called How Bryce Harper Beat the Book on Bryce Harper, and he's going to say that article to us. And before we get there, just a couple things from the last few days. We're not really tracking post-game celebrations anymore. So the Nationals squirting chocolate syrup on each other, I guess, is, is something that I don't even need to say but i just said it anyway it sounds very messy it's evidently a huge ordeal for clubhouse attendance the mariners signed kevin gregg so my little farewell to kevin gregg from a couple weeks ago proved premature which i should have expected cuz kevin gregg
1: keeps finding jobs somehow kevin gregg is so forgettable in my life that i forgot that we talked about <laughs> i i was like oh the reds the reds cut him i had i had no idea <laughs> We talked about it, though. I rem- I now remember what I said. I talked about how he was in 2005. He was underrated. Mm-hmm. So Tim Linsicum, remember how we talked about Tim Linsicum <laughs> before this season? He was his dad, yeah. He was
0: working with his dad, and did we believe that that would do anything for him? Would he be any better because of his dad? We both said no, essentially. And here's Tim Linsicum through eight starts with a 2.08 ERA.
1: Yeah, there were two questions. One was, do you think know that his dad being you know, being reunited with his dad will help him? The other was, if he pitches really well, how likely will you think it is then? Which are two very different questions, right? Mm-hmm. You could have so like imagine that you have a scenario where, you know, only people who wear sweatshirt get raptured. Okay?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, if I if I say, Oh, that guy's wearing a sweatshirt what do you think are the chances he's going to get raptured? Well, the chances are basically nil. Like, they're almost completely nil, right? Mm-hmm. There are there are millions of people wearing sweatshirts. None of them has ever been raptured. And so the chances are nil. But if he is raptured and you said, oh, do you think it was the sweatshirt? You'd go, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? right? Like, you'd say, like, with almost 100% certainty that the sweatshirt came into play.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah.
1: So, uh, so now that you have... a a thing that has happened, Lincecum has pitched much better, and there weren't many things that were going to make Lincecum pitch better. There was basically, he was either going to start throwing harder, he was going to figure out some sort of plan, he was going to random fluctuation his way into a series of good dice rolls, or he was going to get Babbitt lucky, more or less, right? Those are the four ways that people get better. Mm -hmm. And if he was, I'm going to just jump ahead to the question. If he was throwing harder, I told my dad this. We had this conversation. I don't think I would mentioned the rapture. Now, <laughs> but uh, if he was throwing harder, I I would give that to his dad. Yeah. If he was, if he had tremendous command, I guess that's the fifth thing. Is suddenly he had command? M- maybe a mechanical tr- change or or just repeating his delivery better. Soon. If he had tremendous command, I would say maybe his dad. If he had the random fluctuation we wouldn't know that. That doesn't become apparent until it regresses. Mm-hmm. If he had the Babbitt luck, I'd say no. And if he if he had a better plan, like if he was, you know, suddenly he was like uh, throwing uh, change-ups on two zero or something, something that he hadn't been doing, uh, then I, I would maybe think about it being his dad. And so far as I can tell, he hasn't added velocity. That was the one thing that I definitely would have given to his dad.
0: He's he, lost velocity again. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's not velocity. It, it's not clear that he's pitching better, is the thing. Mm-hmm. And it does seem like this is probably the the Babbitt explanation, although not Babbitt. More fly ball.
0: Yeah, right. He's, run
1: for run fly ball rate.
0: Yeah, he's allowed what? One home run. One home run in 47.2 innings. 47 two-thirds. Yeah, and, 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 and lower Babbitt could, too.
1: And that could be a command thing. That's mm-hmm. That is probably the thing that is least uh, is is most connected to command and least easy to spot. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, so it could be command. I'm not ruling out that it's command. I'm not ruling out, although I haven't noticed it, that it's uh, it could be a new plan. But it's it's it does seem kind of like he's not actually pitching better and he's kind of getting a little a little luck, a lot lucky.
0: Yeah, I mean his his first pitch strike rate is not it's down. He's not throwing more strikes he's he's walked a few more guys and he's not striking out more guys and he's not getting a ton more grounders really he's getting a few more grounders i guess but but yeah if you look at whatever his defense independent stuff is it's depending on the one you you look at it's not really much different from his last few years but his last few years he's had the big gap between his era and those things and this year well he still does but in the other direction so yeah i don't i don't know i haven't looked to see if he's like throwing in a different location or something and there is no great way to look and see if he's if he has better command you could look and see if he's like grooving more pitches or fewer pitches so maybe maybe there's something to it well so so if uh, how willing are we to give his dad <laughs> any credit for for this which we don't even know what this is really
1: I'm not uh, – having not looked at the command question in sufficient detail, mm-hmm. I feel it would be disrespectful for me, of all people, uneducated as I am, to dismiss uh, the dad factor. Mm-hmm. So uh, I will say that I'm, I'm open to it. If forced at threat of non-rapture to make a pick, uh, I would say not dad.
0: Okay. All right. And lastly, you saw the story – did you see the story about Matt Joyce – who was, he missed an Angels game. He was scratched from the lineup because he thought a day game was a night game and he showed up late. This seems like, what do you think the most common baseball player, baseball-related nightmare is? Like, I I might, maybe I'll ask some baseball players what their baseball nightmare is, like literally what nightmares they have that are related to baseball. Because this seems like every nightmare I have, which is just like, I I'm supposed to write something and I didn't know or I had a test and I somehow didn't know and now I'm just showing up and and it's starting and I didn't realize which is weird because like that I don't that never really happens it's not like that happens to me all the time but that is what I dream about sometimes I don't have like the dream where I'm naked and doing something in front of everyone I don't I don't know why I'm a never nude in my nightmares but do you have do you think that this is a common baseball player fear that you I don't know how it happens because it seems like a a pretty pretty simple thing to check and see what time your game is the next day that's like the thing that your life revolves around but
1: well a few things now whether you have it as a nightmare a lot is different than whether it ever happens I think it does I think this is a common nightmare and the reason I think it's a common nightmare is that baseball players I assume sleep weird hours and sleep in, in, in snips a lot of times, like probably they're sleeping on planes and it, the time is, is weird and you probably do lose track of time, you're changing time zones a lot and so probably you are thinking subconsciously not so much is it a day game or a night game as what time is it? <laughs> like you're probably, You probably lose track of whether it's actually night when you're asleep and you probably worry about sleeping through a game for that reason. I would think that if I I would think that the most common baseball player nightmare would be pitch coming at your face. Mm. Uh, I don't know if they have that i don't I don't know if that's a long enough narrative to sustain a dream because mm-hmm. uh, the my nightmare, my recurring nightmare is also it, it's one that plays out over the course of of an entire semester <laughs> <laughs> like in this in this six minute dream I I grow a beard and everything. like it's a very <laughs> long dream, and it takes a long time as time is is slowed down or compressed or the one or the other in dreams. And so I don't know that you could have a dream about an eight tenths of a second event.
0: Yeah, that would be like the thing that wakes you up at the end of whatever the nightmare is.
1: So uh, so if not that, other than missing a game, let's see, not having a glove, I bet, would be one.
0: Just like, just weirdly being bad, just like missing fly balls and striking out at everything.
1: So do you know a dream that I used to have a lot? I'm sorry, everybody. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Ben made me do it. I used to dream just before fantasy baseball draft season would start. I would dream that I, it was like the ninth round and I'd be like, who should I get? Who should I get? Who should I get? (laughs) Oh, Mike, Mike Trout's available. And then (laughs) I would take Mike Trout and then it would come around to the 10th. I'd be like. Who should I get? Who should I get? Oh, Clayton Kershaw's available. And then I'd I'd have this and then I'd wake up and I didn't have that roster.
0: You just combine talking about your dreams and talking about your fantasy team in the same anecdote. The two deadly conversational sins. what happens at the end of your months long dream?
1: I just wake up. It's this one is uh it's a it's a school thing and it's that it's like I failed to do the journaling. Right. Like I, I have years of journaling. To do. And I can't graduate unless I've done the journaling, <laughs> which I'm supposed to do every day, which is my life. That is exactly why my life is not better, is that I don't do the day in, day out beat management of uh, writing and journalism that I should do. And then when it's too late, I have to, uh, I have to do everything on deadline. Anyway, secondly, getting away from the dream aspect of it. If, I, if I'm understanding this correctly, I think Joyce has a, a serious beef with the discipline they travel it's a, they play sunday in baltimore travel to toronto for a monday tuesday wednesday series and it's a day game on monday makes absolutely no sense it's such an outlier event that <laughs> to me it is definitely on the club to have 17 public service announcements to pay for an advertisement on local tv that they're going to be watching when they go to bed that night to have wake-up service, to have somebody knocking on doors, to be texting them. I would have this thing so uh, pounded into their heads because this is a freak show schedule. A Monday into your first day in a city and it's a day game?
0: Hmm, that's weird.
1: All right, right good.
0: Well, <laughs> okay.
1: And you're going to blame Joyce, the <laughs> professional baseball player, for not having like time. Man, I mean, the, the like, especially given the fact that His whole life is someone goes, uh, stand in this line, get on this bus, get on this airplane, drink this thing. You have to be here at this time. Like, just have, like, a Google calendar telling him about the one day game in Toronto feels, like, a little ambitious, in my opinion.
0: Uh There hasn't really been a part of... Matt Joyce uh, season that hasn't been nightmarish. The whole yeah. thing is yeah, kind yeah. of...
1: The most common nightmare for ballplayers is it's May 21st and you're hitting 155, 203, 236 as a DH. Mm-hmm. That's that's the dream. <laughs> he
0: had a funny tweet about this. Did you see his funny tweet about this? Uh, no. I'll send you his funny tweet about this. He, uh, he tweeted... You are a...
1: really optimistic if you think I'm going to find this funny. <laughs> you know that I'm not going to find this funny.
0: It's a player tweet, so lower your standards for humor. But.
1: No being late is no joke. I take my job very seriously. I apologize to the fans at Angels and League. And then he has a picture of six alarms being set. All right.
0: Yeah, not funny. Okay. All right. As promised, we are going to talk about Bryce Harper now. And to do that, we're bringing in Dan Rosenson, who writes for Baseball Prospectus and helps out behind the scenes at Brooks Baseball. You can find him on Twitter at Six Tool Player. Hello,
2: Dan. Hey, very good to be with you.
0: All right, so we have talked a bunch about Bryce Harper in the last couple weeks, and we haven't done it all that analytically. We talked about how he's walking more, and we talked about how he has turned a corner. We did some serious corner-turning analysis. We haven't really looked at how he's better or why he's better or what he's hitting better than he was, and you wrote an article for BP this week about exactly that topic, so what did you find about the new Bryce Harper
2: yeah well obviously there's so much you can talk about him uh, without even going into things like how he's approaching pitches I mean I was actually I was at the game where he got uh, he got tossed for being out of the box so what I found was that um, he has really made a, a, a big improvement this year in how he handles off-speed pitches and breaking balls um, I remember when the Yankees came, to Washington in 2012, Andy Pettit just took him to town. He just kept pounding low and outside with cutters, and Harper was out in front, consistently swung wildly, looked like he didn't belong in the major leagues. And, you know, if if a guy left a fastball out over the plate, he would crush it. But he kept struggling, especially with lefties, getting these softer pitches away. And this is something that continued actually... Uh, 2013 2014 and it's not until this year that he's actually hitting breaking balls harder than any other pitch type he's slugging over 800 against them this year and if you saw a few a few days ago there was that Nate Evaldi slider that was like two inches above the ground that he somehow hit for a home run and he's just uh, he's got much better plate coverage so, you know, it's it's really part of that Maturation process we've been waiting for I think.
0: And that's a big deal If Bryce Harper couldn't hit breaking balls Because that's like all he saw the last couple of years Right? Like, I remember looking There was a big difference between how Trout and Harper were Pitched when they came up And I, and I guess throughout their careers so far In that Harper never Sees fastballs, right? I mean, he sees one of the, the Lowest fastball percentages Of anyone
2: Yes, actually, I noticed that as soon as he came up, he was getting breaking balls in fastball counts, and he actually he had the sixth lowest percentage of fastballs of any type in his rookie year mm-hmm. i mean the guys the guys the only guys ahead of him were like Josh Hamilton, Pedro Alvarez, guys who would swing at almost anything
0: yeah um, and so is that a sign of instant respect, or is it a sign that people knew he couldn't hit breaking balls, because it it can be both. I mean, in general, if a guy has really good power, pitchers will stay away from him. Maybe they won't throw him as many fastballs, but as you say, it could just be a guy who will chase, or just the book on him is that he doesn't do as well on those pitches.
2: You know, I I wish I knew a little bit more about how guys were throwing at him in the minor leagues. Yeah. But I would guess it is a I would guess it is a bit of both. Um obviously he was so well known, um, the the power tools, what he was leading with, and so I would I would imagine guys were curious to see, you know, they almost probably assumed he could hit their fastball. So they wanted to see what they could get away with. Mm-hmm.
0: So is it all outside pitches that he is now? Is it, is it just the fact that it's breaking balls or is it the location more? Is it pitch type or, or location? Because I don't know whether he struggled against all outside pitches before or whether it it's just the fact that breaking balls tend to be thrown outside more and he was bad against those. Which of those is it?
2: Um, He was especially weak on breaking balls in 2013-2014. His slugging percentage anywhere in the strike zone against breaking balls was, I think, 332. And outside overall, he wasn't bad, but it wasn't as good as he was over the middle of the plate. From 2012-2014, to his slugging percentage on the outer third of the plate in the strike zone was 631. So that's not bad at all, but this year it's two and a half times that. I mean, just a, a world of difference. He's hitting as good off the plate outside as he was on the outer third the past few years.
1: And uh, just uh, for the you know sake of, of honesty, uh, I'm imagining we're still talking about fairly small numbers of, of both pitches seen of each type. And um, that, you know, if you regressed this, you might not have uh, quite a bulletproof explanation. So how big are the samples that we're talking about in terms of pitches scene?
2: Yeah, well, obviously, yeah, still relatively early in the year, and actually Ryan Parker, who I asked um, asked for his take just to see if Harper was doing anything differently. I mean, it, Harper's constantly tweaking how he swings, how he tries to get his timing. There were only 18 pitches in the off-the-plate outside group. If, if anyone's curious about all this, they can go on Brooks Baseball, on Harper's hitter card, and it'll have a strike zone map where it shows each sort of area, how many pitches he's seeing. They can see the slugging percentage. So we're talking like a couple dozen pitches in each sort of um, ninth of the strike zone, if you imagine it as a three-by-three three grid.
1: And so this is, uh, as we often hear, a game of adjustments and then adjusting to the adjustments. Is there any sign yet of how pitchers are
2: responding to this? What is the new way to pitch Harper? Well, he's actually seeing more fastballs now than he ever has. And that's actually what first got me interested in exploring the topic is i saw they were throwing him more fastballs and i thought wait a minute he's he's never been seeing fastballs what could be behind that if uh i mean it's very small sample sizes on the inner half of the plate right now i would be interested to see if guys would you know it's going to take some courage but i think throwing fastballs inside to keep him honest might actually be important now because if he starts being able to sit on the outer half of the plate where he's clearly getting comfortable, then, you know, obviously he will regress somewhat, but they're gonna have to learn something new.
1: And and is it more that I mean, is it that the fastball inside is the pitch that uh is going to get him out, or is it more just that they had gotten so predictable that he was able to basically zero in on one one portion of the plate and so it's more than anything about being able to show him every pitch in every location, at least at least sometimes?
2: Well, what comes to mind is, um, I remember a few years ago, Kurt Schilling said how he approached Robinson Cano. And Cano is a guy who is just so terrible to plan against because he can hit almost anything in any count. He's just so balanced. And what Schilling said was, uh, no repeats, no patterns. You don't double up on any pitches. You don't have any consistent pattern of approaching a guy like that, because if you do, they'll figure out a way to beat you. Now, Harper clearly is not quite in that category yet of someone who has that much balance and control, but if he continues to move in that direction, I think that's kind of what pitchers will have to do, is is really try to make him guess.
1: They're probably... If I had to hypothesize, my hypothesis would be that uh, a year from now the book on him will still be throw him breaking pitches away. And there's probably a reason why uh, that pitch has, has baffled him from the beginning, even you know going back to the Andy Pettit game which was sort of pre a lot of the tweaking. I remember that game too because that game was a a corner turnt as it as it was. Like it, he was so good at that point. He had a 922 OPS for his career going into that game and even excluding that game so not holding that against him over his next 50 starts he hit 210 284 298. I remember that game being really held up as like the the moment that he got like sort of broken. Didn't Ben, what did you say? Ben, didn't you write like an unfiltered about that game?
0: I have no idea. I don't you, know.
1: Yeah, you did. It was like how to get the headline was like how to get Bryce Harper out every time.
2: Oh no. yeah. what did i say i mean i don't know i i I wouldn't be surprised because yeah he went 0 for 7 that game with five strikeouts it was an extra inning game and he just had nothing
1: yeah and then so like from that point on he was like pretty horrible for a couple of months anyway the point is i mean like if you had to guess wouldn't you still guess that that's going to be the pitch that pitchers are going to always try to get him out with it's just that you have to sort of treat him like an adult (laughs) he deserves a little respect you have to at least show him the other things at some point, or or he's going to get to it, right? It's like wanting John Lester to just throw once over to first kind of a thing.
2: Right. Well, one thing we, should, we have to remember is this is Bryce Harper healthy. And Bryce Harper healthy is probably a different animal than if he's got a nagging injury in his wrist or something. And, you know, if that happens, it might be easier to take advantage of him some way either to try to get him to stay To go back on the adjustments he's been making That almost slow his bat down Which is, you know, it's unusual Advice for a hitter, but with someone With as much bat speed as him, that's sometimes How you have to go, so things Like that, I think, could definitely Expose him a little more
0: Yeah, I just looked up that post, he saw 19 pitches that day And 16 of them were sliders And he struck out four times And then he got like one fastball And got a hit on it, so that was that was how to get him
1: out at the time. I've always I've always I didn't know that that was the way to get him out. I always thought the way to get him out was fastballs up because to me it seems like he whenever I watch him it seems like he's always chasing a fastball up and every once in a while when he catches he catches up to him better than anybody I've ever seen, but th- that's a really hard pitch to catch up on and so sometimes he lashes one the other way uh, off the wall, but a lot of times he strikes out. Hey, Dan,
0: did Ryan Parker or Chris Crawford or any of the scouting people at BP that you talked to have a hypothesis? Did they pinpoint some specific change that they think is allowing Harper to hit these pitches better than he has in the past?
2: Yeah, Ryan, um, if, you, if, if uh, anyone's able to look at the article, I recommend it because Ryan made a little video that shows, compares Harper like very early in the season versus the last few weeks. And what you see is he's added just a little hitch at the beginning of his swing, not like a, a dropping the hands kind of hitch, but a little bump of the bat head out towards the pitcher that just keeps his hands in motion. And, um, you know, I know guys like Jose Altuve a couple of years ago dropped the hitch in his swing because it was kind of lengthening his swing out and he wasn't, he wasn't really getting the balance that he wanted. But, you think of someone like Gary Sheffield, who was literally, he was moving the bat when the ball was leaving the pitcher's hand. He was still waggling the bat. For guys with bat speed like that, it can actually help their timing some. And so that's, uh, that's something that Ryan noticed. And I'd definitely be curious to see if other, other people who know how to scout hitters, if they've noticed something too.
1: So in your opinion, having looked at this in detail, uh,
2: has, a, has a corner been turned? Oh, this is such a dangerous game. I'm going to I'm going to buy into it. I've always um I've always thought it was just a matter of time before he found a couple of little things that were going to help him reach that, you know, that level we all expected him to. In a couple of weeks, he'll have run into an outfield wall and will be out for the year and I'll look like an idiot. But yeah, I think I mean, I remember actually in his rookie year, he was really good at making adjustments the second time he faced a pitcher. He's good at he's good at learning from mistakes in the box. So, yeah, I'm confident.
0: If he runs into an outfield wall, I think you're okay. I think that's separate from this prediction. It's only if he stops yeah, hitting breaking balls that, that you'll look bad.
2: That will be exposed,
0: yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Dan. Everyone should check out the article. Follow Dan on Twitter, at 6 Thanks for coming on.
2: Yeah, thank you guys so much.
0: All right. So that is it for us today. And this week, you can send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. Our Facebook group is at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild rate review, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and support our sponsor, the play index by going to baseballreference.com and using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on one year subscription. Have a wonderful weekend. We will be back on Monday.
1: Oh my gosh. Every time I try to explain this now, it's like. Going to a therapist and talking about the time my, you know, tragic thing happened that I'm not going to say.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. your parents took your baseball cards away. Yes, like that. <laughs>